Well, good evening, good evening. This is Pastor Lester Hayes coming at you tonight on Tuesday night, uh, Bible study. Uh, this is Tuesday, January the 28th, 2020. And uh, we want to welcome all of our, uh, our, our saints tonight. Amen. Those regulars who join us tonight for Bible study. So we thank you all for coming back from last night. Awesome teaching by Pastor Mike Ellis last night. And we're glad to be back again tonight. We're going to be studying um, uh, what we've been studying the last three weeks, talking about uh, being prepared for the dangers that are on the way. There are a lot of danger, danger that's on the way, and we want to be prepared because, as we can see, it does happen suddenly, and then we got to try to figure out where people prepare for it. Uh, even now, as we figure out our own lives, are we prepared for it, uh, or our friends, our family members? Uh, this lost generation out here, are they really prepared for the dangers uh, that lie ahead? And the dangers that lie ahead, they are many. They could be natural. They could be man-made. Uh, they can come in the form of judgment. I mean, it's just God is the only one that's in control and have all the answers. And the only secure, safe place is making sure that my relationship is tight, is solid, is right that there is no doubt in my mind that I'm right with Jesus, that if he was to come the next second, I know I would go back with him. And so, and I'll be with him forever. Amen. And so that's what we're working toward there, but we have to learn uh, what is it that we should be expecting? What, should we, what is it that we should be aware of so that we can uh, be used by God to inform others because I believe that there's such a lackadaisical approach out there to these end times. These events are all around us. The scripture bear witness to them. You know, we're seeing rumors of wars. We're seeing nations rise up against nations. You know, we're seeing people become lovers of themselves more than lovers of life. And we're seeing uh, iniquity of just expanding and increasing everywhere, which is nothing but pure sin. And we're seeing the love of many people are waxing colder and colder. Uh, people just turning against each other. You know, you got families being divided against each other. Mothers turning toward daughters, daughters against mothers, vice versa with fathers and sons and sons and fathers. We got a mess out there. And, uh, you know, and, and God has called us for such a time as this to be instrumental and in, uh, making sure, number one, we pray that God's will be done and believe that his will is going to be done. We put God in remembrance of the promises that he made us not only for us, but for our families, for, our, you know, for those that are still afar off. We, we can pray for the lost of this world, you know. And so we, we have an awesome responsibility and a task because we see these signs. We recognize them. But we can't just sit back and say, okay, well, that's a sign right there of the end times. We got to do something about it because if you love souls, then our job is to try to win those souls. And a lot of times you may not physically be able to reach that person, but if you are aware that there's somebody in your family that's not saved, you have responsibility to intercede for them. If you are aware that's a co-worker that you work with that's not saved, just knowing that they're not saved is not enough. We have to pray for their salvation, pray for their forgiveness, because the Lord said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And so that's what it comes down to. The Lord want to forgive us of our sins and he want to heal our land in that order. He said, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Well, why do our sins need to be forgiven? Because there's gross negligence, there's gross rejection, there's gross rebellion, there's gross sin that's out there. The Bible calls it darkness on the earth, on all the earth, and gross darkness on the people. And when you're walking in darkness, you're subject to do whatever people do in dark. And so there is a generation out there right now that's not walking in the light, but God wants to send his light into the darkness that men and women may be able to see their way out of darkness. And I'm here to tell you, like it or not, we are that city that sits on a hill that cannot be hid. We've been lit up by God when we receive his salvation. We've been lit up by his Holy Spirit. And whether you want to or not, you are a city ordained by God. You sit on a hill and you cannot be hid. 
And our job is to let our light so shine that men will see our good works and they too will glorify our Father which is in heaven. When God gave you his salvation, it wasn't for you to go stick it in the closet, forget about it until he comes. It wasn't for us to go put it on no bed and hide it, put no, no bushel over it. It was for it to be seen and to shine so that other people walking in darkness will have some, some example, someone to look to. Uh, you know, someone to talk to that maybe be able to shed some light with them and share some some love and some and some knowledge about God, some wisdom about God. And so and tell them the way, you know, the way is, is through Jesus Christ. He is the answer to all your problems. And so we have an awesome responsibility. And being the fact that we are living right now in front of the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible lets us know that nighttime is coming and, you know, People are still not saved, you know, that they're going to be not able to find God if we just allow it to just continue because he's a nighttime is coming, you know, and, and, and that harvest is out there. It's plenty. It's great. You know, it's white with plenty. And God is saying, you know, hey, I desire that all men repent and be saved. What do you desire? If you say you love me, then feed my sheep. Give them something to eat, Peter. I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. So don't just pay attention to these signs, learn about these signs, and not share it with someone. Now, I'm recording these, and it's going to be on podcast. So if you don't feel comfortable about challenging someone one-on-one that you know that's not ready in case Christ came tomorrow, the next hour, whenever, then share this podcast with them because we're going to be talking about some things that may 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 provoke their thinking, You know, may encourage somebody to want to be saved. Uh, before uh, his return. I want to pick up my study tonight after we pray over in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 20, a little bit of chapter 20, and then chapter 21. So let's pray right now. Again, I want to welcome all you to the Tuesday night Bible study. We're talking about being prepared for the dangers that are ahead. You know, are we discerning what's taking place? Are we paying attention to the signs all around us? Or are we prepared or are we ready for his second return, because just like he said, he was coming back. He will come back. We don't know when. We just want to be prepared and, and try to get as many people, especially family members and friends and loved ones and people that we, we care about, making sure that they are ready. Amen. As we can see with the Bryant family, I pray and hope that they were saved and they were right. Uh, I believe in my all of my heart that they were, but it happens suddenly, 41 years old and you're gone, your 13-year-old daughter's gone, nine people just gone just like that. And I'm pretty sure that morning when they decided to go to that basketball camp and they went to mass that morning at 7 o'clock, they had no idea getting on that, that helicopter like they've always done, you know, expecting to arrive at their destination and boom, eternity happened. Now they're in eternity and I pray their souls resting in peace absent from the body and present with the Lord. I'm not going to judge their salvation. I just pray and hope that, you know, that they were right. And that everything in my spirit leads me to believe that they were. I will not believe anything else because I'm not God. But the point I want to make is how sudden that happened. And it could be like that with anyone else. Maybe not a helicopter crash, but it could be something else. Let me go on record and tell y'all, people are leaving here, man, at a rapid pace every day. I know of some people that left here that was not ready, and we did everything we could to try to get them ready, and there'll be more people, and so do what you can do while you can do it. Let your light shine. Encourage people. Let people know we are definitely living in front of the second coming of Jesus, and now is the only opportunity, the window that we get to prepare ourselves because it is, it is bound to happen. We won't be able to stop it. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, as we come to you tonight, Lord God, we thank and praise you, Lord God, for another opportunity to break open and partake of your word. We just thank and praise you for keeping us all day long, bringing us to this hour. We thank and praise you, Lord God, for uh, the saints that are on the line tonight. We thank and praise you that all of them are saved and they have their, their relationship right with you, Lord. And so uh, just in case, Father, something happens suddenly and we have to check out, we thank you, Lord God, that we will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But Father, we know and realize that there are many that we know, family members, friends, co-workers, Lord God, people that we just know, God, that are, are not ready, Lord God, that are living their life, oh Lord God, uh, unconcerned about eternity that can happen suddenly because life is like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. So we're praying tonight as a result of this teaching that someone will have an opportunity tonight because it's going out on podcasts, 
some women have an opportunity to hear the, this word tonight, Lord God, at a later date. And Father, that it will provoke something in their thinking to let them know, Lord God, that the second coming of Jesus is preeminent. It's going to happen. And if we're not ready, we have a chance now to get ready while the breath is still in our body. So we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We're claiming results tonight of salvation, repentance, and forgiveness of sin. God, and people turning to you, Lord God. We're calling them out of darkness now to your marvelous light from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We pray for that harvest of unsaved souls right, right now, Lord God. And let this word be be an enlightenment to them. Let it be informative, Father God, as we recorded and sent it out tonight at the end of this teaching. We claim the results right now that many are going to be added to the kingdom of God as a result of hearing this word. So we give you all the praise and glory. Now bless those that are on this line tonight. We lift up Sister Mary tonight, Lord God, and ask you to touch her body and relieve it of pain right now by the stripes of Jesus. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We declare tonight that the blood of Jesus is against you, pain. And we declare that by the power and the authority of the written and spoken word of Jesus Christ, that pain is driven out of her body right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for a heavenly touch right now. We thank you for permeating her body, Lord God, her physical body right now and with the stripes of jesus we speak uh, pain relief off of her right now in jesus name and we give you the praise we give you the glory we give you the honor now restore her peace and restore her joy to the fullest oh god and we give you all the praise the glory and the honor bless her with a pain-free life right now in jesus name going forward amen and amen all right I want you to get your bibles here and go over to the gospel of luke chapter 20 I uh, want to read some verses from chapter 20 here just to lay a foundation tonight. And then uh, we want to move over to uh, <clears throat> over to uh, chapter 21 is where I want to get to tonight. Amen and amen. And one of the things I want to preface what I'm going to be talking about tonight is kind of the situation or look at look at uh, life historically right now, because the same things we're dealing with today is nothing new under the sun. These are some of the same things that mankind have always had to deal with, <clears throat> even when Jesus came the first time. Amen. And he's coming again. And he came to straighten out the mess that was going on before. You know, sin was abounding and, and, and you know, people were just doing whatever, living the life, partying, drinking and getting married. They were just doing whatever, and God warned them and they, through the prophets, and they didn't take heed then, <clears throat> and the flood came, and we know about that, you know. And so even after the flood, amen, and it's kind of like the cycle started all over again, and you had prophets going out prophesying, and God raised up, you know, voices, and it's just like people just wanted to go about doing their own thing and creating their own righteousness and having their own authority and and voting in who they wanted to be in power and deciding who they were going to follow and who they were going to align with. And it, it was like they just rejected God on every turn. And it seemed like that's what's going on today. It just seems like man put more confidence in the authority of a man or men or women more than they do God. So we see this revolving door beginning to happen again. But the Lord told us we would see the same old things happen again in the last days. And so if God did not change yesterday, today, and forever, he's going to have to come and do the same thing he did before. He's going to have to judge man. He's going to have to chase him, man. He's going to have to get his attention. You know, you know, he's going to have to let him know that I'm God. I'm in control. You're not in control. There's no authority that be that does that. I'm not aware of it. I didn't authorize it. And so as much as it seemed like man has some power, he does not have any power that God did not allow him to have no authority that God did not allow him to have. And the deal is God did not let him have that authority for him to abuse it or them to abuse it or her or whoever is in charge. And that's the problem right there. And so as we preface what we're going to talk about tonight, as we begin to look at Jesus's second coming, I just want to be on record to say some of the things we're seeing right now, don't take it as a surprise. It has happened before generations gone. You know, that's the history of it. God has always been trying to do things to win man over. You know, he, he's demonstrated his love. You know, he set him in the garden, gave him everything, man, that he wanted to enjoy, gave him warning and told him what not to do. And man went right and did. Adam did just what God told him not to do. 
And then, you know, it just, it just continued from there because of that first man, Adam, sin. Everything that was born after that was born into sin with a sin nature. And we've been struggling with that thing, man, for ever since uh, that sin that was committed in the garden. But remember, in Genesis 3.15, the Lord says that the seed of man, I mean, the seed of woman that was going to be an imminent between the, son, the seed of, of the serpent. And so that's what we're dealing with right here. There's always going to be that enmity. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be that struggle. And the only hope that man have is in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross, his marriage. We can't be good enough <clears throat> to get ourselves right. The only hope we have is what he said was going to happen, his second return, and that we repent right now and receive his salvation now and begin to live our life <clears throat> in light of eternity because eternity is preeminent. It's going to happen. Nobody can stop it, but we're going to have to face it. Amen. So let's go take a look here. And I, what I want you to look at here, just like it was it was happening back then, it's still happening now. It happened yesterday, and it's going to be happening tomorrow until Jesus comes back. And that is the unbelief of men versus the authority of Jesus. That's always been the struggle right there. It's always been the unbelief of men and the authority of Jesus have been clashing. That's that enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. We still have that today. Man want to be in charge. Man want to be controlling. Man want to call the shots. And it's if he really believed Jesus was who he say is, then he would allow Jesus' authority to reign, even in his own life or her own life. We're not seeing that right now. What we're seeing is the unbelief of men versus the authority of Jesus. So let's look in the, in the Gospel of Luke here, chapter 20. And there is this question here that the disciples is asking Jesus. It's always been a question about, the, about authority. Uh, and you can't answer the question without asking, who is Jesus? This is what Jesus asked Peter. Peter, who do men say that I am? And then he asked him, well, who do you say that I am? So you have to be able to acknowledge that Jesus has been given all power and authority to distribute to whoever he wants to. Man has no power, no authority, unless it is given to Jesus by the Father, which he gave it to him in Matthew, 8, Matthew 28 and 18 and 19. We see that. He has given him all power and all authority, you know. And so it's up to Jesus to give it to whoever he wants to give it to. And he gave it to his disciples and said, now go out and baptize all men, teaching them to, to observe all things that I have taught you, and lo, I'm with you. You know, go out and make disciples out of them. That's the power and authority he gave. He gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to his followers and his disciples. And so you always got this clash of the unbelief of men, believing that Jesus is the sole supreme authority of, of all humanity. And when you got mankind on this earth trying to govern himself without God, that is a humanitarian crisis to me. And this is kind of what you see taking place now. But however, we've been warned that we will see these things in the last days. We're living in the last days. So let's look at a few of these verses here and just kind of see how this thing unfolds. It says, And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and scribes came upon him with the elders. And spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? Now, here's that unbelief right there beginning to pop up. Where these people think, wait a minute. You know, we have Moses as our father. You know, Abraham. Is, these, these are the people that we look to. We, who, who are you? You know, questioning Jesus' authority. And Jesus taught and preached them the gospel. Okay, that, that's, the, that's the, a power unto salvation right there, the gospel. Unbelief caused these men to close their ears and oppose Jesus. Unbelief is the same thing you have today. Mark my word. If people really believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that he had all power and authority in his hand, I guarantee you there will be such humility up in the impeachment trial right now, in the Senate right now, in the Congress right now, in other countries right now, you got all this dictatorship and all these wars. If they really believe that, if they really could answer that question, okay, and cancel out their unbelief and believe in the authority of Jesus Christ that was given to him by the Father to go out 
and create disciples to go out to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so if, if, if that was to take place right now in these last days, if we really understand how near we are to the second coming of Christ, there will be such a humbling humility that will come over mankind. But right now, man have just picked up the same old spirit that have always opposed the authority of Jesus, which is unbelief. That's what we're dealing with right now. So much unbelief out there right now. And Jesus is preaching the gospel. We teaching the gospel about preparing for the second coming of Jesus. I like to think churches are preaching it. Right now, you got so much prosperity out there and preaching about so much materialistic stuff until I don't know anymore. I don't know whether people are teaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ, helping people be prepared for his return, being aware, made, made, made aware of these end-time events that we're seeing. I, I don't know whether that's what's being preached in the pulpits and taught in the Sunday schools and in church. I don't know anymore. But I do know this from the way things look on the landscape from where I position I sit in, there is so much unbelief out there right now that people don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. And I don't blame some of them I don't blame them. I blame us who are supposed to be proclaiming this good, who are supposed to be teaching people about the gospel. You know, this is what Jesus taught right here. This is how you deal with unbelief right here. This is how you win people over right here because Paul said to the Roman church in Romans 1 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God and the salvation for all who shall believe. But how can they believe except they hear? And how can they hear except there be a preacher? Every preacher ain't preaching this gospel. Jesus preached this gospel. Under the authority of the power of his father, we got to preach this gospel as we prepare for the second coming of Jesus, you know. And he goes on to say here, okay, that, you know, they, 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 they kind of was full of unbelief, caused them to close their ears. They didn't want to hear it. Their unbelief caused these men to question the authority of Jesus. And they wanted to crucify him and they eventually crucified him. But it didn't deplete his authority. It didn't take away his authority. It didn't annul his authority. Even in death, he still had authority. He had the authority to lay his life down and get back up again. That's what he said. If you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up. And it's still up now. And it's coming back to judge. Okay? And so as people right now, man, you know, are not believing uh, what was said, what is, should be said right now, and what is going to take place, then to me, that is a humanitarian crisis right there. Knowing how near it is for the second coming of Jesus and not do anything about it because you have not been informed of his second coming. Now, that's a tragedy right there, is to be caught on this earth when Jesus comes without having a relationship with him. Verse 3, he says, And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing and answer me. For the baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it of men? So now Jesus is appealing to them as logical men. He's trying to get them to understand, you know, who he really is and who really got all the authority. Caesar don't have it. Man don't have it. You can believe that if you want to, he's saying, you know, but the one who's talking to you right now, I have all the authority given to me by my father. So let me ask you a question. And he felt like these are reasonable people. These are logical people. You know, had a little bit of historical insight that they might be able to answer this question. There's a lot of people out there that might be able to answer the question about the second coming of Jesus. They might be ready. You know, they just might be. But then there's a, a, there's, there's a whole bunch that absolutely is not ready because they've never, ever heard the gospel. They don't have no time for the gospel. And the gospel they want to hear ain't this gospel. It ain't a liberating gospel. It ain't a gospel that's based on truth that can set you free. And then you're free indeed if the sun sets you free. And so this is what he's doing. He's trying to, trying to reason with them. And he said, he, you know, he asked them a question thinking they should know about John the Baptist. They should know about John the Baptist. That's their history, you know. So Jesus opposes the question to them just to really see really how much in-depth knowledge that they have about any any spiritual history. Now, there's a lot of people know black history and know world history and World War I history and World War II history and Vietnam history. And they know when this piece of legislation was signed and they know the Constitution and the Bill of, Bill of Rights and, you know, and, and, and Declaration of Independence. There's a lot of historians out there. People know a lot of history. But what about this history right here? See, this, this is the, this is the, 
history here that has a preeminent effect on us in eternity, you know, and we got to know this. And so then he goes on in verse five and says, and they reason with themselves saying, now listen at this right here. Listen at this first uh, reaction they have to Jesus saying, we shall say from heaven. And he will say, why then believeth ye not him not? Six, but, and if we say of men, all the people will stone us, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. And, and then he goes on to say in verse seven, and they answered that they could not tell whence it was. And Jesus said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. And so let's look at that now. So here's, here's the possibility, verse five here. Jesus is letting them know the first possibility is they're, they're reasoning with themselves and they're thinking he could be the authority that is sent from God. We don't know. See, see, those probing questions that are not being asked out there right now by pastors are not being put to people out there now by pastors. That's not causing people's thought to be provoked about the second coming of Jesus. It's just all about prosperity, begging about money, sow a seed, you're going to get this. And, you know, I need to buy this for my wife. I need a, a new car. I need a new jet to fly all over the world and carry the gospel. You know, and we're not asking people for vote provoke thought-provoking questions that get them to think about the second coming of Jesus or eternity as we see all these things around us beginning to unfold uh, that point toward the signs of the second coming. And so Jesus is asking them thought-provoking questions. And as you can see the drill that they're going through here and they're thinking, he's got them thinking right now. You know, there's a possibility that he could be an authority sent from God. We living in a time, man, where people need to have that, that thought-provoking moment in their life. But we got to lay these signs out that we're going to lay out in just a second, you know. But it just shows you right here how when Jesus was there, he began to, uh, began to confront them with their own history. We got to begin to confront people with this history right here. Not all that other world history, but this history right here. Do you know that Jesus came and was on this earth and he went back to the Father and he's coming again to be on this earth again and he's going to set up a kingdom here and of that kingdom there will be no end and if we live right and do right, we'll be in that, forever be in that kingdom with him. Do you know that? If you die tomorrow, do you know where you'll spend eternity? You know, and so he got them thinking right now. We got to live in a way, man, and live our lives in a way, but we have people thinking that the second coming of Jesus is real. Just like the first coming, look at the things that he's saying to them right now. These are things that we should be treating just like it's happening right now. Letting people know, you know, provoking their thinking, you know, where did Jesus get his authority? Where did he come from? Where is he at now? What's going to happen when he comes back? A great white throne judgment. He ain't coming back as no savior then. Coming back to judge. You know, he's saving now. This is the only opportunity right here. When he comes back in that second coming, he's coming back to sit on that throne and judge. And then he goes on to say here, from heaven, he will say, why then believeth ye him not? Verse six, again, he's talking about the second possibility. His authority was from men. Okay, they go on to say right there, but if we say of men, all the people will stone us because they knew who Jesus was except for these leaders. For they be persuaded that John was a prophet. So they're thinking, you know, you know, Jesus Christ is the Messiah that John was prophesying about. So they're not going to discredit John. These people right here who are leaders may have had a problem rejecting what John's message was, that a Messiah was coming. Now the Messiah is here. He's going to be here again. But if we don't help people to know him now, it'll be just like these people. They won't know who he is. They'll be like Peter have to be asked questions. Who do, who do you say Jesus is? Do you know Jesus? You want to know Jesus? And so they kind of got a dilemma here. <clears throat> There's a lot of people out here right now have a dilemma right now about the real history that we should be concerned about and be teaching. It goes beyond biblical, it goes beyond uh, history books in the schoolhouse, you know, constitutional history books and, and, and United States history books and American history, world history books. This this is Bible history here. This is the real original history book here. 
And it goes from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, all of your history in between, all of his story in between, from beginning to end. That's the history we ought to be in, we concerned about right now. It's informative. It's life-changing. It keeps us, man, you know, uh, rooted and grounded <coughs> in truth, not speculation, but truth, founded in truth. You know, and it didn't come from men. It came from God. They thinking it came from men. No, it came from God. He came from God. He came from heaven to earth <coughs> to show us the way. And then he goes on to say the third possibility is they were indecisive and they were silent. Okay. Seven, it says, and they answered that they could not tell whence, whence uh, it was. They didn't know where it came from. They didn't know where he got his authority. Okay. So they were just silent, you know, and they was. Couldn't make a decision. They were indecisive. You have a lot of people like that right now. They know how to go to church, sow a thousand dollar seed with money they don't have, light bill money, you know, grocery money. They don't care. They wanna they wanna they wanna sow that seed, run up to that altar like everybody else and throw that money on that altar. Don't have no clue, man. That ain't going nowhere but in somebody's pocket. You ain't getting no miracle by doing that. You know, you ain't getting uh no salvation by doing that. All you're doing is being seen. All you're doing is treating people like they God. You know, you know, the seed he wants sown is the word of God sown in your heart, sown in your life. So you can produce some spiritual fruit called salvation, called repentance, you know, called joy and righteousness, meekness, gentleness, faith, patience, kindness, you know, temperance, you know, those, those, those peace joy, righteousness in the Holy Ghost. You know, that's what's missing right there. You know, and so so they're silent, they're indecisive because they don't know. They don't know what to do. And how they end this discussion right here with Jesus, and it says, Jesus did not answer their unbelief. Isn't that amazing? Jesus decided not to answer their unbelief. Now, there are people today that are unbelieving because they want to be unbelieving. They don't want to know nothing about Jesus. They don't want nothing to change. We have the same situation today. They still want to put their confidence and trust in a man. They still want to have some man to tell them what to do. They still want to have some man to be in power, just like the, the children of God wanted Saul to be king. They wanted to be like other nations. Well, we're caught up in that trap too. And mankind on this earth, humanity, trying to govern itself without God is a humanitarian crisis like we've never seen and my concern is that people are not going to be ready when Jesus comes back in his second coming. There'll be many that will be ready, but the Bible said there will be a great falling away. There is a season of apostasy that's about to hit, and we're seeing it right now. Many, many people are, again, rejecting any knowledge, teaching about Jesus Christ. And I understand why, because we as ministers of the gospel have made such a mockery and a mess, man, out of, out of, out of teaching this gospel to people. We're teaching them everything but the gospel. We're creating our own gospel. We're creating our own righteousness. We're trying to give people other alternatives to get to heaven. You know, we're trying to tell them things that are wrong are right and things that are right are wrong. You know, Bible said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You know, because they go about and leaven it the whole lump. Said, be you know, beware of the righteousness because the righteousness of the Pharisees do not exceed the righteousness of God. They're trying to make it do that just because you you in a certain office just because you pass a certain law don't make it morally and ethically right in the eyes of God. It ain't based on truth. Moral and ethical truth. God is the only one that sets that standard. You gotta always go back to the word to know the truth. Constitution, you know, is not higher than the Bible. Declaration of Independence is not higher than the Bible. If that's where you're gonna draw all your historical data from, you're still gonna fall up short because it's gonna cause you not to believe in God. You'll believe in those documents before you believe in God. All these great uh, historical heroes, black heroes, you know, that have gone before us, man, and you know, and did a whole lot of things in the area of civil rights and equal rights and you know, and justice and equality and all of that. What about those inevitable rights that are given to us by our Creator? We've been endowed with from our Creator. We got to date our history a little bit further back in order to understand that same history that we had with the father and we came out from him, we're going to have that again, but it's going to be a, a, a hope, a future hope that we're going to have. In other words, God's going to make things like they were in the beginning. In Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, 
You had no sin to worry about. Everything was unfolding just like God wanted it to. It wasn't until the third chapter of Genesis when the serpent deceived Eve that we had to deal with the sin problem. We've been dealing with it ever since. And what it has caused us to do is I love to wax colder and colder so we're not taking any time, any serious approach to getting ourselves ready for the second coming of Jesus. We're ignoring the signs. We're acting like these are not signs. Preachers ain't teaching about these signs. There are some out there. I won't say all of them. But this is a critical time right now because we're seeing more time, more signs this time than we've ever seen before. You got more earthquakes. You know, they're a little bit more traumatic and chaotic than they've been. You got more storms. You got more fires. You know, you got more, more, more killings, more murder, more death. You know, you got more diseases, more famine, you know, shortage of supplies, you know. Everything is happening out there right now. You, you, you got something going on in the animal kingdom right now. There's a lot going on right now that the Bible has warned us of. And the only way it's going to get straightened out is when Jesus comes back and make everything like it ought to be, like it should be, like it was before, before we had to deal with sin. And that's going to happen. That's a promise he made us. But right now, our job is, is to try to make people aware of what's going on and try to get as many people saved as we can. You know, it, it, it'd be tough, man, to be saved and not be responsible for nobody else being saved but yourself. With all that we know right now and all that we know that's taking place. Amen. So now let's go over here, man, to chapter 21. And uh, we want to take a look here uh, down to verse... Um, Verse 5. Let's pick up verse 5 and see if we can get down to verse 19 here. Let's pick up verse 5 in chapter 21. Amen. Now, this is a very prophetic word right here. And it's also making a prediction about the signs that we're dealing with right now in this present time. And then we're going to transition and see the signs that are coming. But there are signs in this present time that point to signs that are going to, that are, that are going to inform us of the second coming of Jesus. So let's see what he says right now. He says, And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with godly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in, in thee, which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, let me tell y'all something. If you don't look at what's happening on the world stage right now, you're missing a sign. China right now has gone in and the government has destroyed all the Christian temples and churches. All them big old fine churches over there have torn them down and have put some people in jail and killed some people because they refuse to denounce Christianity. And it's going on in other places. And it's going to continue to go on. And Jesus has said it back then when they tried to show him all them temples. Look at here. All them temples were destroyed. And some of them never got rebuilt. The ruins are still there today. And the Lord told them then it was going to happen. He's telling us now it's going to happen. And it's happening. It's happening. Nothing new under the sun. Churches are being burned. Churches are being bombed. Look at what happened in France. That was a beautiful historical building. Somebody bombed the thing and burned it almost to the ground. Now they're talking about rebuilding it. You better pay attention to what Jesus said. They missed that sign. So they're getting people ready, man, to see Jesus. They want, they're worrying about pooling resources to go rebuild a building. You better rebuild some lives in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's not just France. It's a lot of temples right now that have been bombed and burnt down. And that's just a sign right there he's saying in this present age. That just happened last year, I think, in France. Well, Italy, wherever it took place at, <clears throat> and it's happening all over the place. <clears throat> you know, even here in the United States, there have been bombings, mosques, and all these beautiful places with all these, this, these historical pictures and all this gold and all this uh, expensive uh, marble and all that that's in there. And it's going to continue to happen. Why? Because these are the signs that he said would happen. This is prophetic. But look at what he told him. You know, God wants to admire people's lives, not the building you in, you know, not the church you in. He want to admire the church that's in you, the Christ that's in you, 
That's the hope of glory. <clears throat> Goes on in six and says, you know, as these things which ye behold, you look at these things. God don't. He looks at the heart of man. And the days will come, this is in red in my Bible, in that which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 7, he says, and they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Okay? The disciples asked two questions. When was the temples going to be destroyed? And what were going to be the signs? The warning, he said, do not be deceived. For the first sign, he says, will be people coming with false doctrine, trying to get you, man, to give more money, you know, buy more of this and do more of that, buy more stock and do more of that. Better buy you some kingdom stock. Better get you some truth in your heart and hide it. So that when the false messiahs and the false crises and the false prophets and the false teachers come, which is already gone out and that among us, according to First Peter chapter 3, verse 10 over there, they're already among us. This message is already out there. And we're seeing them more and more right now. All these false prophecies and all this false teaching and false doctrine getting you away from the truth. You know, having you to put more trust in man than you do in the authority of Jesus. That's how this argument started. We just looked at it. It's been that way ever since Genesis 3.15. That enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. We're still dealing with the effects of that today. And people are still looking for some man to put trust in. Some man to put confidence in. Some man that they think got the answer to these problems we have. No, anytime you have humanity on earth trying to govern itself, trying to take care of its affairs, okay, without God, you have a humanitarian crisis there. And this is what we're seeing today. People have no time for God. They don't want him in their language. There are some people out there right now got efforts to try to get prayer back in school, all of that. But what about getting Jesus, man, back, back in the pulpit? People teaching Jesus back in the pulpit, preparing people for his second coming. Yeah, you can put prayer back in the school. That's, that's a political move. But if prayer was in your heart because Jesus was in there, the Holy Ghost was in there, they can't take it, take it him or it out of your heart. Just can't do it. Regardless of what school they take it out of. So let's go a little further here. All right. He's dealing with his disciples here. Uh, these two questions that they asked him. <clears throat> and the warning he gave them was, do not be deceived. Saints, let me tell you something. This is not a time to be deceived. This is a time that you got to know your word and you got to have that word in you. Because things are happening so suddenly, people can't, they don't have time to, to get to know. You got now is the only time, the only shot you get at it. And if you're in some place called church and they ain't teaching you the word of God to help you be prepared for what is to come, even what's going on right now, these are signs that are taking place right now. Don't miss any of them. Look in the word so you can so you can answer the question, what is going on? What just took place? You know, not be caught by surprise, you know. And he says, number one, be beware of people who teach like false teach false information, false Christ, you know, their own traditional, whatever they want to teach you. Can't be that way. It's got to be the gospel. That's where the power is at. Jesus taught the gospel. That's what he was teaching, the gospel. We just learned that back there in chapter 20. Today we're going to, we need the gospel to be taught. And then he goes on in verse nine and he says, but when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. So he's saying there's going to be a conflict among nations. We're seeing that right now. Let's make no mistake about it. It's going on right now. That's what he's talking about, that commotion, all this conflict. Can't seem to get a trade agreement. Can't seem to get a nuclear, nuclear agreement for not developing nuclear weapons. You've got chaos right now. And we know who's at fault. Man trying to govern without God. No fear of God. 
you know, caught up in his unbelief, don't believe that God got no authority, no say. I'm the most powerful man on earth. I'm the most powerful dictator. I rule China. I rule Russia. They do what I say do. You know, I'm, I'm the president, you know. We in charge, you know, based on so much unbelief because God, we saw where God gave Jesus all authority and Jesus give it to whoever he want to have it. Not so you can go out and be a villain or a bully, but so that God can be glorified. Verse 10, he says, Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The great earthquake shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. So you're going to see natural disasters. You know, you got conflict among nations, natural disasters, all started with all these false teachers, false prophets that we just promoting them. You know, everybody got their favorite. Oh man, have you been, have you been to so-and-so's beautiful church out there, man, the potter's house and all promoting all these buildings and all this stuff, uh, church up, the world changes up in New York, world changes up in Atlanta. Oh man, they got a bulletproof elevator. You drive your, your Bentley up in there and it takes you up to the, to, to, to wherever your living residence are. People that mind all that crap. These are all the signs that he's talking about. Pay attention when you see these things. It's like people are getting way, becoming lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Lovers of things more than God. And God's saying, pay attention when you see these things. All that stuff is going to be a bunch of rubble when Jesus comes back. It ain't going to mean nothing. It ain't impressing him now. It, shouldn't impre- it ain't going to impress him then, so it shouldn't impress us now. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing right now and knowing you have one with him. That's what's more important right now than anything else. Knowing that if he were to come right now, I know where I would spend eternity. Nothing more important than that. Not no amount of money, not no amount of material things, but making sure, you know, that all my sins have been repented and that Jesus Christ is in my heart as my Lord and Savior. I know who he is, you know, because he's the one, man. Natural disaster. We're seeing them. So let's go a little further. Verse 12. He says, But before all these things shall shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and unto prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. 13. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. 14. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. 15, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. 16, and ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. 17, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. 18, but there shall not an hair on your head perish. Y'all better get that now if you're in Christ. 19, in your patience, uh, he says, in your patience, possess ye your souls. So let's look at that now. So he's talking about persecution of the believers coming. It's on some of us right now. Okay, who who are we going to be persecuted by? All of these religious folks out here, not Christian, but religious folks who set up their own system of religion, try to legislate and dictate for you how to serve God, okay, man-made, and the civil authorities. They're trying to change all the laws and change all the rules. Some of what they're doing is good. Some of what they're doing is based on unbelief in Jesus Christ, his, his laws, okay? Some of it is good, some of it is not. The reason why it is, is because believers follow Jesus Christ. We don't follow man. We don't follow the president. There are people got a problem with that. They want us to get behind the president right now as American citizens. And they call themselves evangelicals and Christians. And they're saying, man, God going to deal with us if we don't get behind this president. They got a problem with us. They hate us because we don't support some of his, some of his policies. We don't support his lying. Because the Lord said, beware of these things. We're going to see these things. Don't let that stuff get in your heart and contaminate you. You know, you know, 
you know, the result is, you know, we got to stand firm. We got to have a strong testimony. You know, this is part of our preparation. He said, do not worry. Do not prepare a defense. All you got to do is put the word in your heart and hide it there. You don't have to try to figure out, I'm going to go get me a gun if they come. I have a gun. I didn't get the gun in case they come, you know. I got the gun to protect myself and to protect my family if I have to. You know, praying to hope I don't ever have to. You know, but I got the word in my heart to protect me spiritually. Said, so do not worry. Do not prepare a defense. Two, he says, the reason, because the Lord will give you wisdom to resist your prosecutors. You know, those who persecute you, your persecutors, I'm sorry. Uh, betrayal of the believers, you know, by families and relatives. We seeing that right now, y'all. I know in my family, I got a little bit of that going on. By all men, by all men. Remember, if you ain't caught up in the tra tradition of men, you might have a serious problem. You know, he said, it's the tradition of men that have made the glorious gospel of no effect. Just because they got a title, you know, and they could hoo-ha for seven minutes and crone for five minutes. You know, that ain't the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel. We have to preach the gospel to prepare the people. He said, that's what you got to have in your heart. That's going to be your defense when you begin to be persecuted by your persecutors. You don't have to. That's all you have to do is have that ready available to give that answer. Just like Jesus in Luke, the fourth chapter. He had the word of God readily available. It's, he said, it's, it, Satan, get thee behind me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. It was in him. Got to be in us, in our hearts. Hide it in there. Okay, let's move the close right here. Then he goes on to say, we're going to be betrayed by, you know, family and, and relatives, all men. And then he makes a promise to us in verse 18. And he said, you know, the promise to us as believers, God is in control. But there shall not an hair on your head perish. Oh, my God. Man, what, a, what an encouraging thought right there. Not a hair. <coughs> if you write with God, when all this begin to go down, and some of you are shielded and protected right now and don't even realize, it's because God has already drawn a standard when the enemy comes in where a hair on your head will not be touched. Not a hair on your head. You know, give him praise. Give him credit for it. 19, you will be eternally secure if you endure. If you endure. We have to endure to the end to be saved. Working out our salvation every day with fear and trembling. Nobody's made it in yet. The scarcely, righteous are scarcely going to make it in. So that's why we got to work while this day because nighttime is coming when nobody can work and people are still not saved. All these warning signs around us of the second coming of Jesus Christ pointing toward it, you know, pointing toward it, you know, and people are so busy doing everything, rejecting him, you know, steep in unbelief. Don't even believe that he's real. Why hasn't he come yet? If there's a God, why is he letting all this bad stuff happen? I just don't believe it. You know, you got people out there right now. You got 4,200 different beliefs and denominations out there right now about Jesus Christ, his deity, who he is, his authority. You know, some people think they can get smart enough with, with degrees in colleges and universities and all that, that they can be just as smart as Jesus. And they don't they don't need him. They can replace him with their philosophy, with their excellency of speech, you know. But there's nothing like a demonstration of the spirit and power of God in the life of a believer. Nothing. That's what he's saying. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be there with you at that time when you need to speak. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you what to say. If my spirit is in you, great is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You will be prepared for, the, for whatever, whatever happens. And it's going to happen as we see. Amen. We're going to end right there tonight. Hopefully you got something out of this tonight. Uh, amen. Amen. So we're going to end this recording right there. Open the line up now for comments if you have any.